0: When you see the resurrection power of Jesus through the eyes of faith, your whole life takes on new meaning. Jesus was betrayed and crucified. They nailed His hands and feet to that old rugged cross and they tortured and taunted Him for hours. His death on the cross was the dividing line of history. But the men and women who followed him, the people who pinned their hopes on him as the great deliverer of Israel, were now bewildered. What were they supposed to do? They had put their lives on hold to follow this new rabbi and his teaching. They left their fishing nets and followed him but now he's dead. Not only is he dead, but he's in in a tomb with a, a huge stone rolled across the entrance for security's sake. So, some of the boys went back fishing. It's all they knew. They went back to what they knew. Their dreams had been dashed and their hopes dismantled. But, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, some women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven disciples and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. (laughs) But Peter, Peter rose and ran to the tomb stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. (laughs) I love that last verse. I absolutely love that last verse. Peter, the same guy who's always sticking his foot in his mouth, the same guy who's always, uh, you know, I'll do it, Lord. He gets up and races to the tomb, He stoops and looks in, and he sees with his own eyes the evidence, the proof that Jesus is alive. The burial cloths were lying there in that empty tomb, and Jesus is gone. And what happens to Peter? Well, he marvels. He marvels at what had happened. Oh, I love that verse. He was in awe, he was absolutely astonished. Amazed he was at the sight of the empty tomb. When you see the resurrection power of Jesus through the eyes of faith, your whole life takes on new meaning. And because Jesus is alive, the mistakes and the blunders and the blowouts we've had along the way, forgiven. Because Jesus is alive, death has been swallowed up in victory. Because Jesus is alive, the promise of heaven is alive too. Because Jesus is alive, you and I can have a a real, authentic, genuine relationship with God. Isn't that something? Blows my puny little brain. And it's, first of all, an intimate relationship, this relationship that we're promised through faith in the resurrection power of Jesus. It's an intimate relationship. The Apostle John declared in 1 John 3, and verse 1, how great, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. This particular translation of the Bible puts an exclamation mark at the end of both of those sentences to to, to, uh, accentuate, to emphasize the extraordinarily great aspect of this possibility. To emphasize the extraordinary nature of the possibility of us having a relationship with God that's that intimate. God lavished His love on us? Yes. Yes. So that we could become children of God? Yes. As amazing as that sounds, that the creator and sustainer of the universe would want to have a personal relationship with me and with you. That's amazing. One day a little boy went into a pet shop. He was looking for a puppy. And so the store owner took him to the back of the store where there was a brand new litter of pups. And so the little boy picked up each puppy and he examined it, put it back, and meanwhile the store owner had gone back to the front of the store to look after the counter. In time, the little boy came up to the front and he said, I picked one up, I picked one out, how much does it cost? The store owner uh, gave him the price and the little boy promised to be back in a few days to pick up his puppy. The store owner said, well, don't take too long, son, because puppies like these, well, they sell fast. The little boy smiled knowingly and said, oh, I'm not worried. Mine will still be here. And off he went. So he started to earn money every way he could, weeding the garden, washing windows, washing the car for his dad, cleaning yards of the next door neighbors. He worked hard and he saved his money, and when he had enough money, he went back to the to the pet store to get, his, to get his pup. And he walked in the front door, and he, he emptied his pockets, and they had all these wadded bills. that The store owner sorted the cash and counted it and verified that he had enough money for the puppy. And he said to the little boy, okay, you can go pick out your pup. So the little guy went to the back of the store, and he reached right into the very back of the pen, and he picked up this skinny, scrawny, spindly little pup And started to leave. And the store owner stopped him and said, No, son, wait a second. Don't take that pup. That pup's never gonna fetch for you. That pup can't run fast. Why don't you why don't you put that back and get a get a healthy dog? Oh no, he said, No, thank you, sir. This is exactly the kind of dog I've been looking for. And he turned to leave. And just then the store owner realized, he understood what was happening because extending from the bottom of the boy's blue jeans was a prosthesis. He wore an artificial limb. And he he wanted this unwanted dog. That little boy wanted this unwanted puppy because he knew exactly how that little dog felt. And he knew just how special that little dog was. And so the Father in heaven knows exactly how you feel, And He knows exactly how special you are. And John portrays it so well. How great, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, skinny, scrawny, spindly, sinful creatures that we are. He lavished His love on us, and He cares about us. He calls us children of God, and that's what we are. So we can have a special, intimate relationship with the Father. Does that appeal to you? Oh, yes. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, our relationship with God is not only intimate, but it can be a confident relationship. It's not only possible to know that we have a relationship with God the Father. It is God's will for us to know and be confident of the relationship that we have with Him. John states categorically that this was his purpose in writing his first letter, 1 John 5 and 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? So that you may know that you have eternal life. I don't know about you, but I've, I've had conversations with people many, many times, you know, and they say, well, you can't, nobody can know that for sure. You can't know that. See, they, they've been taught in their, in their church background, they've been taught that nobody can know. It's all guesswork. Only at the very end can we know it. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we can know and we can have a confidence in in, in knowing that that, that we have eternal life. You can know for certain. But the way to be sure is not by how you feel. Our feelings are not to be trusted all the time. (laughs) Most people rely too much on their superficial emotions or their feelings and one day they feel close to God and the next day they don't. And since they imagine that their feelings are somehow an indicator of the spiritual barometer, they fall into a frenzy of uncertainty often. This erratic experience is not God's will for His children. He wants us not only to have an intimate relationship with Him, but one that's full of confidence. Not pride, but but confidence. We have lots of background music this morning. And it's wonderful. And if you're sitting in that back quadrant going, Hoo! there's empty chairs up here. Come on, come on. And if there are not enough chairs, just bring your chair with you. You can sit up here. It's nice and quiet up here. <laughs> They're family. Yeah, doesn't bother us. They're family. So, we, we have to learn to, to mistrust our feelings to some degree, because our feelings are very erratic. They depend on circumstances, and they, they, they can change like the weather, or they can change with, with how much garlic you've had in the salad the night before. Not reliable. So the basis of our knowledge that we are in a relationship with God is not our feelings, but the facts of Scripture. We have to trust the Word of God And God's Word says very clearly that if you believe in the name of the Son of God, if you trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and embrace Jesus by faith, you are born again and you have this new relationship with the Father, you can be saved and you can enter into this intimate, confident relationship with God. That's the teaching of the Bible. So you can know you you can know and be confident don't be cocky but you can be confident that you have a relationship with the father it's great news isn't it i love that now supposing that we we do enter this intimate relationship with god and and we become confident of the the relationship that we have with Him through the facts of Scripture, question is, can we ever lose that? I mean, is it a secure relationship? That's the big question. Is it a secure relationship? Or do I still have to wonder? And when I'm lying on that bed, about to breathe my last, how do I feel? Secure or not? Can we be born into God's family one day and be kicked out the next based on our performance? Well, some would think so. But I'm not sure that's what the Bible teaches. Many years ago, I befriended a man in the city of Regina who was a Jewish man he was a prominent figure in the city. He was a news, uh, news anchor at the local uh, television station. Uh, a f- mutual friend of mine and I were continuing to speak the gospel to this Jewish friend of ours. And one day, he believed in Jesus. He, he saw that Jesus is truly the Mashiach, the Messiah. And he embraced Christ by faith. And in his newfound excitement as a a completed Jew, he told his Jewish father what he'd done. Dad, I found the Messiah, Jesus. The very next day, his father went to the lawyer and changed his will, writing his son out of the will. And the following Sabbath, they had a ceremony where they disavowed him as their son. He paid a very heavy price for his faith. He was kicked out of the family. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God will never kick you out of His family once you are established as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And our Heavenly Father will never cast us aside. This is a secure relationship. It's a permanent relationship. Paul writes in Romans 8 and 38, I'm persuaded, I'm absolutely convinced, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Nothing! Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? amen. See? It's true. It says it right in the Word. We're a, we're a mixed-up bunch. Some of us don't know whether it's okay to clap or nod or say amen or not. I got an email last week said, Pastor, what denomination are we anyway? Like, are we, like, Pentecostal? Or, what are we? I don't know. We're just messed up. You know, we're, we're just mixed up. We're just a bunch of people that gather together for simple worship, passionate prayer, and strong teaching. Amen? Amen. Who cares what denomination we are? Whoa. But it's, it would be nice to have a little more interaction. You know what I'm saying? Be like Pastor Rick at WCF. Come on, church, come on. Come on. <laughs> There's lots to be excited about this morning. It's Easter and He is risen. So, if you have saving faith in Jesus Christ, you see, then your relationship with the Father in heaven is secure. And nothing, nothing can separate us. And even though we will still miss the mark a thousand times before we die, and we will even mess up royally a few times before the end comes, He doesn't kick you out of the family because of that. He applies discipline, like a father disciplines his son, and he draws you back and he woos you back to where you should be. Paul was only three or four years old at the time, uh, but he vividly remembers uh, a tornado sweeping through their small town. And he told the story at his father's funeral. His father had hustled all the kids indoors and and then he placed a, a big mattress over top of them and their mother. And then he went and stood beside an open window. Paul's father didn't climb under the protection. Paul remembers peeking out from underneath the mattress and seeing his father standing by this open window looking at the funnel cloud churning across the prairie. When Paul saw his father standing there, he knew exactly where he wanted to be. So he squirmed out of his mother's arms and, and, and crawled out from under the protection of the mattress and he ran to the window and just wrapped his arms around the legs of his father. He said that day at the funeral, something told me that the safest place to stand in a storm was next to my father. And so it is. And so it is. When when we are standing next to the Father, nothing in all creation can separate us from His love. Nothing. Nothing. Because Jesus is alive, you can know that you have an intimate, confident, secure relationship with Him. However... That being said, you can't put the cart before the horse, you can't have a growing relationship before an opening introduction. And perhaps you're still on your way to faith in Jesus this morning. If you are, I can't think of a better place for you to be than right here at the gathering this morning, unless you're sitting right next door to the nursery. (laughs) I honestly can't think of a better place for you to be on any given Sunday because Here at the gathering, we just—it's very simple. We just open the Bible and try to teach what the Bible says about how to have a a life with God. And and so, if you're looking for answers to your faith and questions of life, there's no better place for you to be than here, Sunday after Sunday. Just come, and we'll we'll help you. We'll we'll try our best to help you understand how you can have or begin a walk with God. But a few few moments ago, we sang that song, one of my favorite Chris Tomlin songs. There's a peace I've come to know. Though my heart and flesh may fail, there's an anchor for my soul. I can say it is well. Can you? Can you say that this morning? It is well with my soul. Can you say, I know, I know that I have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Have you embraced the Savior by faith? Do you know Jesus? We went on to sing, Jesus has overcome. And the grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He's risen from the dead and if he hasn't then we are all to be pitied but the fact is he has risen from the dead and he is alive today and when you see the resurrection power of Jesus through the eyes of faith your whole life takes on new meaning so if you would if you're one of those people here this morning and who would like to place his or her faith in Jesus, if you'd like to embrace the Savior by faith and, and step into this new relationship or renewed relationship with God, then you can do it without delay. All you have to do is admit that you need a Savior. And that's the first step. It's a logical step, but it's, it's a hard step for a lot of people, you know, just to admit that they need help. They can't do this spiritual thing, this thing called life, all by themselves. So you have to admit that you need a Savior, that you need Jesus. And and then you need to be willing to, to uh, turn from your misdeeds. The Bible word for that is repent. Repent of your sins. T- to turn away from the old way of life and the old way of thinking. Be open to something brand new. Then there, it's important for for us to embrace by faith the fact that Jesus died on the cross and and He rose again from the grave. We have to believe those facts of Scripture. When you believe that, then you're well on your way. And finally, through prayer, simply invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, to come into your life and control your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all it takes. A step of faith in the right direction that results in trusting Jesus for your salvation. So you're not trusting the church. You're not trusting the certificate that hangs on your wall that says you were baptized or confirmed or mortified or whatever. You're not trusting in any of those things. You're trusting simply in Jesus Christ. And inviting him to be your Savior. And I I sure don't want to embarrass anybody here this morning. It's never my plan to take advantage of people who are in you know an emotional moment. But I need to ask you a question. I need to ask you life's most important question Have you believed on Jesus? Have you trusted in Christ for your salvation? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt this morning that you've been born again by the Spirit of God? That's the most important question you'll ever answer. And if you have not yet believed, then why don't you pray with me this morning? Why don't you open your heart wide to just invite the reality of, and the possibility that this is true and it's real and embrace Jesus By faith. You can pray silently in your heart and your mind a a, a simple prayer that goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I, I know that I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you came out of the grave alive. I want to turn from my sins right now. That's repentance. I place my faith and my hope and my trust in you, Lord Jesus, so come into my heart, come into my life. I want to trust you, I'm going to follow you, I want to obey you for the rest of my life. And that's all it takes. But, but that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. So in just a moment, we're going to sing another song, a favorite song here at The Gathering. Um, another one of our favorites, and the first stanza goes like this: "Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see." And maybe that, maybe that's happened to you this morning. Maybe you came in here, eyes open, but but blind spiritually. And just in this moment, you you prayed this prayer and you, you put your faith in Jesus, you prayed that prayer along with me as I said it, you prayed it in your heart, you believed it, you're trusting in what the Bible says, and you've stepped across the line of faith. Well, if you did, welcome to God's family this morning. We're glad that you've made that decision. If you prayed that prayer, you now know that your chains are gone and you've been set free. <laughs> you've started a brand new relationship with the Father. And we'd like to know about it. Not just because we're curious, but because we want to help you get started. You see, it's just like a, a, a match has been held up to, to start a fire in your life. And well, once, that, once that catches and gets fed, it, it, it blazes. But it, in those early moments, those early days, it's just a little spark, a little fire and we want to fan it into a great flame. We want to help you. We want to encourage you. We want to give you some information that will help you get started. So even as we, as we sing this song in a moment, I'm wondering, and we're going to stand and sing in just a moment, I'm wondering if those of you who prayed that prayer this morning, you, you stepped into this relationship with God uh, for the first time, so to speak, why don't you come and meet some of our friends here at the front? We're going to have four or five people up here who just are, they want to give you some information. They'll get, they'll get your name and phone number so we can be in touch with you and just pray with you briefly. We really want to help you get started. and So don't be, don't be fearful, don't be afraid. We, we're not going to put you on the spot or ask you to say anything. We just want to meet you and greet you and, and help you get started in this new faith. So why don't you come as we sing Amazing Grace this morning. You just come. Some of our friends will be here ready to meet you this morning.